Hi, welcome to Reaction Shots for September 2017. You'd be hearing a lot of banging going around. A lot of hammer. We told them to hold the work, please, but they wouldn't listen. I'm hoping for more leaf blower. We had a lot of leaf blower going. It's actually uh, right past that door is Toontown. Yeah. They're so, working on some stuff. The tunes are at it. New yeah. freeway? <laughs> New freeway. It's going to be beautiful. Um, anyway, we're joined by Alan. Hi. Hi. You're our first repeat guest, I think. Oh, I'm honored. Unless someone else was a repeat guest that I'm forgetting about. I don't think so. That's Michael Huber. Hello. Alan Miller, I should say your last name. That is Alan Miller. Mm-hmm. Sounds very filmic. Yeah. It's directed a, by it's Alan a, Miller. Uh, well, I I would ho- I like that idea, but I I think it's very generic because I'm on IMDb. I'm Alan Miller, Roman numeral seventeen. <laughs> what? <laughs> Woo! Dang it! Yeah. Do you think Will you Smith know, was the first is Will there Smith? A way, is there a way to like bump up in the yeah. line? I think, I, think, I think they'll sort you higher in the search results, but I'm always going to be XVII. <sighs> Dang it. That's hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I'm the only Ian Hink on there, baby. Uh, Woo. No, I'm behind like some guy who was like a voice actor in Bambi. Uh, oh, okay. Good company. <laughs> 16. He's good. Yeah. Yeah. He's good. He's got to be higher than 16. Though. Lower than Oh, he's probably like he's one. He's three. Yeah. yeah. Bambi was a long time ago. Anyway, uh, yeah. So Alan made some short films and does awesome stuff. And he's from Kitsilano. 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 I'm from Coquitlam, but I lived in Kitsilano for a while. Right. And where else did you live? Qualicum. Qualicum. Not the same as different. Coquitlam. Yeah, Coquitlam, not to be confused with Port Coquitlam. Right. Or Port Moody. Those are different ports. I don't know what you are saying. for every... <laughs> Whatever. So, Welcome to this podcast uh, yeah. about uh, Canadian suburbs. <laughs> Canadian suburbs. Uh, anyway, so we start out usually with a segment called What Have You Liked Lately? Where you talk about things that you've liked lately. Moving pictures. Televisions. Television shows. You can talk about a television. How's your 4K TV treating you? It's treating me real nice. Nice. Not everything is 4K. Yeah. You know. Do you sit closer to it so you can appreciate all the Ks? I sit in the same di- same distance. I sit really close. I got bad eyes. I need glasses. It's Go time. to the doctor. Yeah, it's time. Yeah. Uh, we have glasses. Everybody's doing it. I got it for... Glasses are cheaper than a 4K TV, and then everything's in 4K. 4K TVs are down in price now. That's true, like but these glasses now. cost $100. Warby Parker. Yeah, it's cheaper. Than yeah. I, I could I buy 15 got for... pairs of glasses for what you pay for that <laughs> TV. I mostly got it for Uncharted. But then Game of Thrones was on, so I was like, okay, I'll get to watch any Game of Thrones in it, which will look nice. It's not 4K, but it'll still look really nice. And yeah. Then I was hyped on Defenders, but... <laughs> <laughs> so you don't like Defenders? I did not like Defenders. I didn't did you hate finish it? it? Did yeah, you watch I it. Yeah. I watched, like, the... Omar was watching, like, the first episode, and I was just like, oh, boy. I wasn't disgusted by it, but I was <laughs> bored. Is that the one with the sentient hair? Or no, that... that's Inhumans. Oh, that that's is different. apparently the worst thing ever by Marvel. Like you, they they were saying you have to go back to the '90s unreleased something something. There was Roger like a... Corman, Fantastic Four. Yes, whoa, that was it. Good pull. <laughs> <laughs> yes, they're like it's worse than that. <laughs> wow, I can't wait to watch it. <laughs> that's horrifying. Yeah, because they um... released that in the IMAX. And I'm all in on Marvel. I've seen right. all the movies, all the shows. You know, right. I love it. You know, I'm too invested to quit now. I'm too deep. So I was like, Inhumans IMAX, like, sign me up. I love 
the IMAX. You know, I love IMAX. He loves IMAX. I Are love you going it. to IMAX tonight for it? No, I'm going large format though. Large yeah. format. Because it wasn't filmed in IMAX. So Silver like, eh. metal. Silver metal. It wasn't filmed Huber. in IMAX. Silver metal. It'd be cut off in the screen anyway. That's. True. I went. I was. A, I'm a. Not a doubter, sort of, of like the IMAX movie, like the the narrative the IMAX. IMAX experience. The IMAX experience. But I went and saw Dunkirk, Dunkirk for a second time. So yes. I went and saw. I saw it the first time in seventy mil. Okay. And then I saw it the second time in IMAX. Okay. And it was worth it. Legit. It was worth it. Although my one gripe is because it was. It was so detailed and yeah. so big, and you saw like you did, did you see, see digital more. IMAX or seventy. No, I saw. IMAX. I saw the the uh, City Walk. One where okay. it's like the real, like the film yes, IMAX, and it was worth it. It was amazing, but I have this gripe where so they they changed the they aspect change, ratio. It's like this kind of thing because IMAX is yeah. is whatever the aspect. Format. It's like it's totally. it's not as widescreen mm-hmm. as seventy mil, and they shot some of it seventy mil yeah. when they needed to shoot dialogue. Totally. But just fucking blow up the seventy mil and get rid of the. Pop, 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 pop. Yeah, it's very annoying. Totally. It's more annoying. It's getting better because like. The older, like, Dark Knight did it way more. Or, yeah. It would, like, drop, you know? This, most of the movie was filmed in IMAX. But that, I found it more more annoying because then it would be, like, there'd be little short sequences true, where it would, true, like, yeah. pop down. It was, like, like Dark All Knight or something was, stuff. like, was like a sequence would be true, IMAX. Yeah. So it would be, like, it you'd go like for, choice. like, for, like, seven yeah. minutes or whatever, right, you'd be in IMAX. Right. Yeah. Like this one, it would be like you know, you're in a plane flying around, and it's and IMAX and it's amazing. And then all of a sudden, you're on like you're on the boat with uh, with Bridge of Spies, and yeah. then you're then you're all of a sudden you're just this. And, Yo, if he doesn't win the Oscar this year, I'm like never watching any award show ever, dude. Boycott, I'm done. <laughs> Brought me to tears. Yeah. I heard that the dialogue Mark was Rylance. unintelligible. In what? Dunkirk. What? No. No. You're thinking of Interstellar, although I do think the that, British accents. I do think I don't. I, don't I do think that Christopher Nolan it. has hearing problems that are that are unresolved, <laughs> and that, uh, that. But he's too famous for for the mixer to be like, dude. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so funny, dude. You can't hear any. Of this. Dude, you can't hear any of this. Bane sounds weird. Yeah. <laughs> Did you ever no, see Bane the original fun. Bane when oh, they added yeah. it to Mission? When they had the preview at Mission Impossible before they so if you saw it if you saw Mission Impossible in the IMAX they added they had the plane sequence in Dark Knight Rises with Bane it was insane it was absolutely insane it was just like it was so crazy uh, <laughs> my only my only issue that I take with that is not the original Bane original Bane I saw on my 12th birthday Batman and Robin. Yeah. Uh, Not original Bane. Which I... uh, (laughs) uh, Original cinematic Bane. And uh, so this past week, I actually was... uh, I was flipping through things and and I wanted to show my girlfriend... Batman and Robin, like just the first five minutes of her, of oh, it to yeah. be like, look, check out how bad this is, uh, and I forgot. And she's like, this is fantastic. She's like, this is great. She loves yeah. it. Oh my god. Uh, I can't. I mean, look, I can't. I can't. Uh, you can't account for uh, for taste or favorite Die Hard is two. Oh. 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 Look, let's she's not a turn this person into a roast of your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna tell but her that I'm on this. She's crazy. Podcast. Whoa. Yeah. She likes. Uh, she likes camp. All right. You know what? I, I you know, I love that. Tommy Lee Jones as Two Face in Batman Forever. So yeah. you know, yeah. start shooting, start when, shooting yeah. this way. I don't like, care. Ah. <laughs> yeah, she's like, what is happening? And Drew Barrymore is like yeah. his weird like assistant, the white yeah. the white dress one. 
is his assistant. Right? Two Face, yeah. Oh, yeah. Drew Barrymore yeah. is so the, the one in the white dress, and then um, I'll defend Batman forever. Blair, I, something, Selma Blair. No, somebody is like the one in the black dress. I'll, I'll defend Batman forever. They were going for something different there, but Batman and Robin, they 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 went off the rails. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. they're they're like cartoon sound effects in every scene in Batman and Robin. Yeah. yeah. It's They're, hilarious. Like whenever they do, like, there's, like, slide whistles. Yeah. Yeah, when someone trips, it goes, yeah. Like, legitimately, that happens. Are you serious? Yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. There's, like, there's something. It's, slide it's, whistles. There's Yo, g- where are the slide whistles in Mandatory Update? Yeah. yeah. Let's get that going. The, uh, there's I'll go back in time and be sure to tell us. There's, like, that's a jumping the shark uh, trait, like, like, trait when anytime they're doing, like, CG, like, surfing away from things... It seems like this is not going to be a good movie. So the right. opening of, of Batman and Robin, they uh, are in a, 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 a Mr. Freeze rocket ship. Yeah. They have to surf down the rocket doors. Yeah. They're air sky, surfing, sky, sky surfing, surfing yeah. which helps you not die because you're sky surfing on a, they don't on have a metal door. So that it increases their uh, you know air resistance yeah. so they yeah. fall slower. But it just all it does is bring to mind the uh, the James Bond uh, wind surfing down the glacier uh, in was it Tomorrow Never Dies? One of the Brosnan ones. Die another, Die another day. day. day Tomorrow think, Never Dies right? was Bronson. It was the one. With, this is a Brosnan one. It's like oh, it was the yeah, last Brosnan one where everybody was, was like, Halle all right, Barry. that's that's, that's Tomorrow Never That's Tomorrow Never Dies. It was it, the Eddie, ice one. You're the, thinking of the old skiing one. I'm thinking the ice, dude. There's like some. There's ice one. He's in an ice hotel. car. He's there's an ice hotel. It's Halle Berry, dude. It's Die Another Day. Gemma oh, Archer. not enough. It's one of those. All right. It's definitely not tomorrow. I thought Die Another Day was an earlier one. No, no, no. All right. When's tomorrow never dies? Who's that? Pierce Brosnan. He was in four. Yeah, four of them. And two of them are called basically the same thing. Die yeah. Another Day and Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah. Oh my god. And uh, <laughs> they're both These called people. Edge, <laughs> Edge of Tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> day after tomorrow. What are, what are we doing here? We're talking about Roland Emmerich films. Oh my god! 2012, oh. day after tomorrow. Uh, no, I do intend to have. I was talking with some friends of mine, the Folkmans. Uh, the Folkmans? Yeah, love that name. They're great, twinsies. Uh, but I was talking with Nick, and I was saying we were talking about we should have a B movie episode. Mm. So we'll probably do that in a couple of months. Yeah. But uh, anyway, yeah, this week, this month, we're talking about the Coen Brothers, but we still haven't done our What Have We Liked recently. Mm-hmm. Huber, mm-hmm. what have you liked recently? We talked about what you hate. Uh, what I've liked is uh, Snowfall. This is a new show on FX this summer. Oh, the one about the birth of cocaine. Yeah, the crack epidemic in Los Angeles. Uh, this show was originally supposed to be on Showtime. Uh, some s- shuffling going on. Now it's on FX. So it uh, doesn't have swearing or nudity. Here's what's crazy. That would took the words right out of my mouth, Ian. So, FX had uh, People vs. OJ, right? And they said some F-bombs on that show, which yeah. was like, whoa, we're on FX, we're dropping F-bombs, all right. Like, they finally, say Fargo sometimes, too. Yeah, that. like, it's about time. This show, Snowfall, 40 F-bombs an episode. Whoa. No censoring. Whoa. So, I think this is, like, a moment where shows well you know because in in europe and stuff like british tv oh yeah all the time f-bomb just like a late night show for yeah. kids they're like f-bomb f-bomb yeah fx still has commercial breaks though right commercial breaks so it's still like you know you know cable tv but uh i think that is like it's, it's a big moment in censoring i think so good time you know because like uh breaking bad yeah there's so many times where they like censor it they censor it towards, like, the final seasons, you know, they censor, like, some of them. 
And I feel like Breaking Bad, like some, you're like he would he would cuss right here. He would be like f you, you know. They they definitely hold back. So I think by by kind of like freeing up language, yeah. that would help the writing process to yeah. be more truthful and authentic. Oh, totally. I yeah, that's that is the issue with censorship. I think is is when it becomes inauthentic because you have to censor something, right? Yeah. Like it's like no, some things do not require. Yeah. Uh, swearing, totally. nudity, whatever. It's like it's just when when you see something that's like bending over backwards yeah. to not do it, and you're like, that's that's weird, and yeah. it sort of knocks you out of it. Like high tense situations in Breaking Bad, somebody's throwing it out there. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. So. No, they're they're murdering and they're they're selling <laughs> yeah. uh, meth and they're doing all yeah. this stuff. There, nobody curses though. Yeah. You know, that's where they draw the line. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, that exhaust from the leaf blower made my nose I know, me run. too, my nose is running. Uh, Lost was the big one for me, mm-hmm. where, like, every episode I was like, they would be swearing constantly in like this. sailors. Yeah. Uh, but it's a good show. Uh, we follow a couple people. We follow uh, the CIA uh, drug runner off the books, like, you know, black ops CIA guy trying to fund a, a rebellion. We have uh, the kid... Growing up, you know, single mother. His father's a bum, so he wants to make cash. So he turns to selling drugs. Uh, then we follow like this cartel, uh, brother and sister that take in this uh, professional wrestler guy, and he's like their muscle, their bodyguard. So it's like we follow these characters, and uh, it's it's a good show. It's something worth a watch if you're into drug related content and and i've always like it's a it's fiction but i always love like i like i love history i guess you could kind of call this history maybe you know because it's a period in in time of america yeah it's in the 80s it's in la so it's just interesting interesting to watch i like i like the time period sounds cool so the billboards are very cool yeah Yeah. finale is tonight whoa season one over wow already renewed for season two that show just came and went. I didn't even came know. Came and went. I know. I, the, no one has even heard of this show, so. Well, no, they do have good Hopefully billboards. So I feel yeah, like people in LA, at least, have, yeah, see, have seen the billboards. Yeah. 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 No intention of watching it, but I've seen the billboards. Yeah. Story That's cool. of LA. So. Alan, what have you liked uh, recently? Uh, this. So I didn't actually. I didn't watch it recently, but I just noticed that it is back. It's like been released on video recently, I think. So I will promote uh, Colossal. Oh, I never uh, saw that. Which I, to see I this is why I'm 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 saying it because yeah. not I don't think enough people saw it. I think if you're the type of person that wanted to see Colossal, just watch Colossal and yeah. maybe like do the rental so they get three bucks out of it or right, whatever. Right, right. Because I that is the kind of movie that I I want them to make more of and is like struck that it's it's a tough make right now because it's like a a relatively uh, it's it's an indie movie with a budget. You know, mm-hmm, right. uh, because it's a. I really loved it. It was like it's a sort of a high concept. It's the one with uh, Anne Hathaway, yeah, who's an al- she's an alcoholic who moves back home because things are falling apart, and she uh, discovers that uh, under certain circumstances she is controlling a kaiju that is uh, stomping over uh, South Korea. <laughs> it's uh, it's by like uh, you do, yeah. Nacho Vigalando, I believe, is how you say his last name. He's a, the Time Crimes guy. Oh, dude! All right. And uh, and Time it's, Crimes has its issues, but I think it's a pretty sweet. Yeah, movie. I'm not gonna say that Colossal is like totally perfect either, but it's like it's so it's got 
this like wonderful joy to it, uh, right. and it is like taking chances for sure. And Anne Hathaway and uh, 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 what's his name? Uh, Sudeiros. Yes, Sudeikis. Sudeikis. Jason Sudeikis. Yeah, uh, are great in it. Um, and it's just super fun, but it also dramatic, uh, and has, uh, giant kaiju monsters, uh, <laughs> fighting giant robots and also alcoholism. Yeah. That sounds good. Is it like a heavy headed metaphor thing or is it just kind of like, here you're kaiju? I mean, depending on how you wanted to find heavy handed metaphors, I mean, in sort of in premise it is, but right. not, not as much in the actual, uh, in the actual sure, movie. Okay. All right. um, but I just love that stuff. I think that it's sort of, it's a callback to when there was more of a, an industry about those kind of like major indies, uh, you know, the kind of Spike Jones stuff. Um, I think it's just stuff that's not, you're, it's getting lost in like the, the, the blockbuster era or the like mumblecore indie era are these yeah. movies that are like, oh, like, so we need to be able to do like a legit, kaiju battle but right. also it's it's weird so it's uh it's a harder sell wasn't but it, wasn't colossal like crowd invested i think it was like i don't know there's some new weird studio that was like crowdfunding it's like fig if you know what that is from video games there's like a kickstarter but the people who pay get an investment I don't know. That Back would be that would that would be heartwarming if that was the case. I think so. Maybe I'm wrong. I know, I and I I hope it does well. I I just thought it was a it was a really like fun movie with like heart and and a lot of funny moments and a lot of like actual pathos to it. Right. And then it also uh, was released with a fun uh, like a short film in front of it, which was also oh, fun. I like that. Um, it was a short film that played as if it was like four separate short films, but it was a fun. I don't remember the title of it, but. Uh, yeah, it just was a. It was one of those things where I was like, "Oh, this is like a really fun night at the movies." Yeah. That uh, that lately I've come out being like disappointed by big, giant, expensive movies, or not being motivated to go out to these like really tiny movies. Yeah. So I want more of that. But you've seen Baby Driver. Uh, yeah, I liked Baby yeah, Driver. I Baby Driver. Uh, I saw Wind River. Have you heard of this? I did. I'll, I'm mad at it because it it resembles a movie that I wanted to make, so I'm not going to see it, and I'm going to sit here and just stew about it. Oh yeah. What what was your movie? Doesn't matter. Okay, because they made it. They didn't actually, but I just like every time they make uh, uh, people uh, hunting each other in the uh, in the north. Uh, I'm always like, God damn it! Yeah, you probably there are a bunch of movies like that. There's not as many as you'd think though. So whenever they come out with one right. and like it doesn't do that well, it hurts my case. Like The Revenant. Yeah, The Revenant was also one that ate my lunch on that, but it was also. Uh, you know, it, it's it's DiCaprio and right. Lubezki. It's like the best version of that. Right. So it's like, uh, yeah, I was like, I know, I'm mad at those guys too. <laughs> well, when I meet them, I'll tell them. Wind River, I, I thought was very well done, very interesting movie, really depressing movie. Uh, some buddies of mine were saying they weren't sure why it needed to be a white guy and why the kind of incompetent FBI agent needed to be female. Like, you could have flipped that around, made the hunter a Native American woman, and, like, a man be the FBI. Like, it didn't need to... It felt like it was commenting on things that it didn't want to comment on by those casting mm. choices. Um, but, you know, that notwithstanding... And he didn't need to show the graphic sexual stuff in the one part, I don't think. But, like, I thought that the movie was pretty 
cool. Like the pacing was neat. Um, the pacing was neat. Uh, <laughs> I love a commentary. Yeah, good stuff. That that's um, Taylor Sheridan directed yeah, it. Yes, who wrote? He's on Sicario? a roll. Sicario. He wrote Sicario. He wrote yeah. uh, Hell or High Water. Right, and then direct wrote and directed this one. So like, yeah, this guy's got some chops. He's got chops. He likes those uh, those uh, gritty people out in the back country yeah, doing down stuff. Down their luck kind of people. Yeah, the situations these people find themselves in, they like start low down. But I, I did think there were a lot of really good sensitive moments in this movie where I mean I don't I can't really explain it without spoiling things, but I'll just say like a lot of the performances are very good and some of the action stuff is pretty cool. Uh yeah, it was fun. I, I finally I just watched Hell or High Water actually, so oh, that yeah. can also Hell be a secondary is this is good. a good thing. Yeah, I liked Hell or High Water a lot. Uh real excited for the new Blade Runner, yeah, which directed by Villeneuve. How do you say it? Villeneuve. Villeneuve. Yeah, uh, Denis Villeneuve. Uh, I'm really excited about that. Not written by Taylor Sheridan, to my knowledge. Ghost written. Oh yeah, probably. 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 If the main character is like Wind River. Have you seen Wind River? <laughs> I knew you were gonna say Wind River. That's why I said Snowfall. Well, you've been gone for a hundred years. On it. I'm sorry. You doing Wind River? You seen it? Yeah. What'd you think of it? I loved it. Yeah. Taylor Sheridan is the best writer in Hollywood right now. Whoa. Oof. Hands down. Oof. Hands down. Three Pete. Three in a row. Three Pete. Boom. Boom, boom, boom. So That's good. a turkey. Uh, that bowling? I mean, you're discounting Roland Emmerich's recent work? Definitely. <laughs> All right. it's, no, it's close. Bold. Emmerich's, he's there. He's right there <laughs> near the top. Uh, I loved that Wind River kept me guessing. Yeah. I thought... It was going one way, goes the other. It went times. Out. Yeah. So. I gotta see that. I Hard movie to predict. Right. <laughs> and it, I mean, I said the pacing was neat earlier, but like. <laughs> neat. That was something I thought was really interesting about it, that it is, it's a slow paced movie For that sure. takes its time mm-hmm. with every part of it to, to the point where while I was watching it, I was like, how are they going to wrap this up? Yeah. Like, we've been here for a while. What's happening? I wasn't bored. Yeah. I was interested the whole time. Um, the flashback, I guess, is how they did it. But, like, yeah. Very interesting movie. Saw a commercial for it last night. Really? Just, I was fast forwarding and then I saw, I saw it. So I, like, stopped and, like, I wanted to watch the commercial. Uh huh. And it was just, like, one of those commercials where it totally markets the movie. In a different way. So it's oh. like, Wind River, the yeah. action thriller of the summer. And it's oh, like, no. goosh, 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 goosh. It's like all shooting. Yeah. That would I'm spoil like, the entire movie. That is not the movie. Yeah. Like, They're what? shooting in one scene. Yeah. I hate it when they do that, but it's also kind of my favorite thing. Because you're <laughs> yeah. like, it's just such a bald-faced lie that the yeah. uh, the marketing team's like, yeah, people are going to be pissed, but they'll pay for the movie. <laughs> yeah. They'll go to the my, movie. My mother, still mad at George Clooney about The American. <laughs> Still mad at him. She talks about it. She was like, "Do you remember the American? It was like, it was yeah, supposed yeah, to be yeah. a thriller. It was marketed. So it was slow. marketed as a Bourne movie. Yeah. Right. It was like yeah. the trailers were Bourne trailers. Totally. And You're then honestly, Clooney Bourne. Yeah. And my mom went, and then she called me afterwards and was just like, "I don't trust him anymore. <laughs> like it's Won't his fault. It. It's his fault." She's like, "What's this in Bruges ass shit?" <laughs> she just just will not. She was like, "It was boring and it was weird and yeah." I've never seen it. I remember there being a really cool cool kill in the beginning on like some ice. I, I've never seen that was the end. I've never seen it either. But I my understanding of it is just that it's like 
There's, it probably has like a cold open. Yeah, where, it's, where, it's like right, where, some cool right. murder. Yeah. Yeah. And then I think the rest yeah, of the yeah. movie is him just kind of like like Walk assembling around. guns and like walking around and like living the life. It's like a Euro like, you know, meditation on the life of a of a, right. of a hitman. Right. Uh, <laughs> and uh, it was not a porn movie. No. I also think what else the like the, they've been doing that a lot with with horror movies or like pseudo horror movies where it'll actually be some sort of like a like a psychological thriller or something. Yeah. Uh, the the Vavitch, the witch they did that like where oh. it was like marketed as like the like the scariest movie ever kind oh. of thing, and then it was more of like. They pump up jump scares in the trailers, and oh, then I'm yeah. like, yeah. I'm never yeah. going to this movie because I hate jump scares. Yeah, but it's not. Whereas I would love these movies. It's not that movie. It's sort of yeah. like a. It's like a thoughtful movie about the like the fear of being ostracized from society in like early America, and <laughs> with life. like a with like a scary goat. But right. uh, but I I feel like they're doing that a lot with uh with uh, it looks like Mother they're doing Mother, that yeah. and I'm like I don't think this is gonna be that movie mm-hmm. I'm gonna go see it because it's Aronofsky but it's like I don't know. tell me how many jump scares are in it and then I'll five go. seven probably like one three I I'm don't know say two yeah probably two <laughs> two or three what movie was it you told me it didn't have any jump scares and then I went to it and it had like several and I was like no Hubert, you betrayed no me. way you I betrayed would never me. it's the other way around. What? If you think there's jump scares, I would tell you there there would not be and there wouldn't be. No, you told me there weren't and there were two or three. What? Yeah. I don't remember what movie it was. I'm sorry. It's all right. <laughs> it's all right. I think you were just excited. <laughs> Probably. Anywho, I also think that this season of Rick and Morty is really good. Too many jump scares for me. Too many jump scares. <laughs> all right. You want to talk about the Coen brothers? Nice. I like the Coen brothers. They're neat. Do you like the Coen brothers? Mostly. Oh! Yeah, mostly. There's so there's a question, spoilers, coming up about what is your least favorite Coen Brothers movie. And I was thinking about it, and I was like, I guess my least favorite Coen Brothers movies are the ones I haven't seen because they don't look interesting to me. Like, I didn't see Hail Caesar. Just wasn't. Hail Caesar's fun. It's not yeah. Their, yeah. one of their best. Haven't seen The Lady Killers. That's the, one, that's the only one I haven't seen is The um, Lady Killers. Some other ones I haven't seen. I haven't seen. I haven't, go over it. I haven't seen the Lady Killers. I haven't seen Intolerable Cruelty. I haven't seen it. I've seen that. Uh, it has one funny scene. So that's why I, I say kind it. of because what yeah. I have seen, I love to death. Right. Yeah. But the other ones, I'm like, eh, I don't need to see it. I mean, it seems like your you your nose is good. You've you've skipped the ones that okay. are generally held to be their their weaker okay. ones. I mean, there might be a couple big ones that I haven't seen. I, we'll see. I love the Coen Brothers Me deeply, too. Me deeply. Too. But I, I do. It's, it's funny that like among like movie nerds and and pe- just people that love the Coen Brothers, there's kind of this generally accepted uh, thing that there's sort of like major and minor chords of Coen Brothers uh, because they have like among let's call them like among like cinematic geniuses, they have like a pace that is oh, yeah. is pretty unrivaled because there's like. They put out a movie like pretty much every year or every two years kind yeah. of thing. And even if they don't direct it, I feel like they're always writing or directing yeah, something. And yeah, they've written a few things that mm-hmm. you're like, Oh really? Like it's not yeah. quite like Woody Allen pace, but like but also their their hit level is like higher than Woody Allen's. Oh yeah. Woody Allen's got like three also he's like a creepazoid. Well, yeah, but putting that aside, but we're like but like but like he does his ratio of, of right. good to bad, bad is like it's a is, bad it's not great, but he puts out one movie a year. Yeah. And uh, but the Coen Brothers, it's like because you the, think about like the great directors that are are still working right now. Tarantino, 
I like Tarantino, the like um, <laughs> the like the Wes Andersons and the Aronofskys, like right, the right. name brand, like name brand directors who are like people will go see those movies because it's them that aren't like the Chris Nolan, like blockbuster guys. Right. Uh-huh. And Jim Jarmusch. Sure. Got a huge draw at the box office. But but like <laughs> the Coen brothers, like they've got like their their like. You know, they're they're widely accepted. Like these are perfect right. kind of movies. Right. And then there's the other ones where everybody just kind of thinks like that. Even they kind of think that they were fucking around. Right, right, right. Like they're I, I they have... Hail Caesars and they're yeah. like uh, Burn After Readings and yeah, stuff like Burn that. Yeah, Burn After Reading. I didn't really. Yeah. Like I still love that, but there's like a joy in all right. the movies. Totally. Like they're always fun to watch. I definitely yeah. think that the Coen Brothers, yes, have two modes. They've got, and I don't. I think they're aware of it, and I think that it's like, yeah, this is a us having fun year. And this is us actually making like one of the best movies ever made year. Yeah. Like I think I think they know that ahead of time or it happens while they're making Mm -hmm. it. It's like they wrote it. What they have written is really good and it could go either way. And then they kind of realize like, "Eh." I mean, I can't speak directly to their process, (laughs) but it seems to me that they're very knowledgeable of of what they've written, especially Mm -hmm. if they wrote it. They're like. This is what it is. Yeah. And they just go. Like, yeah. right after reading it, just seemed like they had, like, a month open, and they wanted to hang out with all their friends. My understanding of that, and I don't know, I don't remember where I heard this, but I, I feel like I heard either them talking about it or whatever, but that, that they wrote it simultaneously with No Country for Old Men. Whoa. That they actually alternated days. Where be like Mondays no country Tuesdays burn after reading and I think that it was Jeez. like their way of, I think they do this where they compressing yeah and sort of getting in other characters heads and and where you know they do have their like their heavy movies which it, there still is a joy in in their heavy movies right. but like these movies are sort of they're gonna take a toll emotionally movies and then the other ones are like also usually dark right. but they're like just joyous right like burn after reading is like filled with gross murder and but is is just a joy all throughout it like even if you it's not your favorite it's like oh this is a fun they're they're having fun it's a pretty hilarious take like nihilistic take on bureaucracy yeah to the point where like the movie kind of just ends on an anticlimax whimper because they're just like yeah whatever no just sweep it under the rug and then the movie just stops yeah well it's, it's like their like, it's their like <laughs> it's their spy thriller right it's their anti-spy thriller because yeah. everyone is inept. Yeah, I love it. Uh, what was the question? Do we like the Coen Brothers? We're not even yes. on a question. Yet. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, just for those uh, who want to hear it, the following in order is the list of every Coen Brothers directed film. Blood uh, simple. Blood simple. Yes. Oh, you want to try to do it in order? I can't do it. In, them, I couldn't do it in order. Blood There's Simple, no Raising Arizona, Miller's Crossing, Barton Fink, The Hudsucker Proxy, Fargo, The Big Lebowski, Oh Brother Where Art Thou, The Man Who Wasn't There, Intolerable Cruelty, The Lady Killers, No Country for Old Men, Burn After Reading, A Serious Man, True Grit, Inside Lewin Davis, and Hail Caesar. It's a good list. It's a good list. Le- yeah, be- leaving out Bad Santa. Yeah, which they like wrote. Yeah, I think they've got like there's a. I think they've done a lot Executive of script produced, doctoring yeah. and stuff. It's so weird so. that they wrote Bridge of Spies. It's like what? Yeah, what? it's like Danny Elfman. If you look at Danny Elfman's <laughs> IMDb, like he didn't just do Tim Burton movies. He's done yeah. like a thousand other yeah. movies that you're or like what? Crime Wave. Have you guys seen Crime Wave? No, I have not seen. Was Crime that Wave. Sh- was that, cool, that show? I like that name. No, no, it's a movie, the early movie that they made that they wrote and Sam Raimi directed, right. and they all are like. Yeah, we tried it. it didn't work. <laughs> like everybody's like, no, it didn't really work. 
But I've, I've yeah, never seen Yeah, they were it. like, they were thick as thieves with yeah. Sam Raimi back in the day. Yeah, Sam Raimi's in some of their movies. Yeah, yeah. he like shows up uncredited in like a several. Um, how many of their films would you classify as film noir? Last month's topic was film noir. Are they all film noirs to a certain extent? No. No, but many are. I mean, let's see. Blood Simple, yes. Yes. Raising Arizona, no. No. Uh, Miller's Crossing. Miller's Crossing, Crossing, yes. yes. Barton Barton Fink, Fink. yes. Hudsucker Proxy, no. Kind of. Is there like film noir comedy? Yeah, (laughs) comedy noir. noir? Comedy, yeah, Yeah. comedy noir. Is that the hula hoop? Yeah. God, I love it. You know, for kids. For kids. I love it so much. Would an idiot come up with this? (laughs) It's It's just a circle. a good movie. (laughs) God, I need to to rewatch it in a while. I love the Hudsucker Proxy. Oh my god! I love almost every one of their movies. Yeah, yeah. me too. Uh, I, I have a there's a there's an issue uh, that is I I like many love the the Coen Brothers, but I, I I had to make a rule for myself that like anytime you go into if you're going into like a, a room to actually like pitch something or talk to people about making something, you're not allowed to reference yeah. the Coen Brothers yeah. because you sound like an asshole. Right. Because of course you're like, you're like, what do you want to do? Like, oh, well, I want to make this. And like, we really, the tone, we're going for sort of like a Coen thing. No, you sound like yeah. an asshole. Yeah. We're going to do because, like a Coen Brothers Kubrick nobody, Hitchcock kind of deal. Nobody can do, no, you can reference Hitchcock. You can, but you can't reference, reference Coen Brothers because Coen Brothers, they do this thing with tone that nobody else can do, including sometimes the Coen brothers. Right. Yeah, sometimes they don't hit on all You know what I mean? Like, like I enjoyed Hail Caesar, but it didn't really fully work. It felt like the Coen brothers do the Coen brothers. Yeah, and it's like, yeah, so if they went into that meeting being like, we're going to do this kind of Coen brothers thing, they were like, no, we don't believe you. (laughs) It's too too tricky to pull off with, with any, like... You, it's alacrity. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, I there's a rule: never reference, never pitch something and reference the Coen Brothers because uh, yeah. uh, they they it won't work. They'll laugh you out of the room. Yeah. Um. Yes. <laughs> uh, and we'll talk about. I'm sure we'll reference it a few times. Every frame of painting did a really good. Um. Uh, I think it's called shot reverse shot, Coen Brothers. Uh. But they they did a video on on that and yeah they talk about all that stuff where like. They frame inside. I think Morgan later will talk about this too, but their their shot reverse shot, the camera's inside the reverse shot. So if it's Alan and I talking, instead of the camera being over our shoulders, well, so we don't break the one, it'd be over here. Uh, it's in between us with a wide-angle lens. Roger Deakins talks about it. It's, it's really fascinating stuff. Um, but we'll get into that in the editing timing in a minute. Uh, I would say Fargo's a noir, obviously. Mm-hmm. That was the assignment for this month, was Fargo. Big Lebowski's a noir. Mm-hmm. Oh, Brother Art, thou... The man who wasn't there, obviously, is a noir. Intolerable Cruelty, not not really. I haven't seen The Lady Killers. No Country for Old Men is probably, kind of? Yeah. Pretty noir Yeah. Uh, Burn I mean, they're Green. not, like, they're not all noir in, like, the classical... Right. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah. like uh, you know, gumshoe yeah. thing, but, like... The man I'll, who wasn't there is, like, they're strict. Yeah, they're yeah, They're like, yeah. we're doing noir now. But most of them fall into that kind of sense of, like, the other intangibles that make... Film noir, film right, noir. Right. Uh, a lot of them fit into that. Yes. Mystery. There's always a lot of mystery. Mystery. A lot of like um, people, you know, sort of thrust into something that they're not like fully equipped for, and and, yeah. and having to muddle through a sort of general sense of like uh, environmental foreboding. Yeah. Uh, the world being against them, kind of thing. Right. 
The um, goddamn plane has crashed into the mountain. Yeah, just the, the nihilism of it, along with the sort of like, uh, you know, whoever the hero is often like, they're just sort of like the world's against them, but they're like, ah, fuck it. I mean, that's, that's spoiler alert for a serious man, but the end of a, a serious man is like the most like boiled down Coen Brothers moment where it's just like this Job-esque story where like everything has gone wrong and then you come out finally and things are like you think they're at rock bottom and then here comes this disaster and it's just like yep and then it just ends and I was yeah. like in the theaters I was like yeah what's <laughs> <laughs> well, it the end of uh, Inside Lewin Davis where it's like you've, go- you've gone you've gone through this whole thing the and then yeah. it just the end is the beginning and it's all gonna happen again forever right and that Lewin Davis actually when I I've only seen it once Inside Lewin Davis is an interesting one because I that was one that I actually did not like coming out of the theater kind of because of that yeah like to me like they do unlikable characters so well but Lewin Davis it's a character that's making these choices himself and I'm like well then stuff you like this is your fault it's I mean like I have I have similar similarly and this maybe sounds harsh but like I have a similar reaction to things like Sid and Nancy where I'm just like oh my god I don't care anymore like you're making these terrible decisions like you are a monster like I can't care about you like just stab your girlfriend and die come on like yeah I I mean I have a I have an unfounded theory that's uh, almost certainly wrong uh, about uh, Inside Loon Davis just being like a screw you to uh, to the save the cat guy have you guys remember that it's like the it's like the stock it's like the stock screenwriting Uh uh how-to book along with like sid field and stuff like that but it's save the cat and it's got all these like really pat lessons about how to like make your audience like your main character yeah he's gonna save a cat like like, in the beginning yeah uh but it's like it seems like lewin davis is like their almost their attempt to like undermine all the rules Mm -hmm. of that where it's like you've got a passive unlikable protagonist right uh who's actively not trying to save a cat uh he's like stuck with a cat that he doesn't like or want and mistreats uh and uh and it's it's still it's yeah it's not the easiest watch but it it's still i like it i like it more than a serious man but oh really yeah i I mean yeah the music is great and do you like hannibal lecter yes because he's charming and interesting Inside, okay. that's my but thing. But he's a, a no. cannibal murderer. Right, he's a cannibal murderer, like. but he's interesting. That's the thing. Lewin Davis is not interesting. He to sings me. good songs. That's fine. So does everybody. <laughs> like that. I mean, that's the point of Inside yeah. Lewin Davis. Is like this guy is a loser and a failure, and yeah. he's not redeemable, and thus will not be redeemed. I would say that it's it's that he's he's self destructive. Right. That it's right. like that's his his problem, and that I think. I feel like they actually went out of their way to make him like an okay singer, like not a great right, singer. That's like, my thing. Is like, like he's, he's middle of the road. Yeah, like his uh, his partner made like with his partner, mm-hmm. you know, who who died. They were great. They were great. And him alone, he can't do it. and He can't own up to it. Right. And he just sort of never will. Which I, it's like, it's one of those things that makes the movie I think harder to watch or or like a little less like engaging, but works better when you're done watching the movie. And you're like, yeah, this is actually one of those people that it's not a like the Pat movie character arc. Right. It's like he can't recognize this about himself. He's going to keep making the same mistakes forever. Right. Like a lot of us are. I Yeah, that's why I like feel bad, you know. I, I think that's why I like those characters. Yeah. Self-destructive characters, I guess. Because it's just like, yeah, they make bad decisions and wrong choices. But it's like that's 
we're all human, you know. I mean, I, I've said before that the Coen Brothers have never made a horror movie, but I'd say that Inside Lewin Davis is a horror movie because <laughs> it's like that's we're all afraid that that exists within all of us, right? Like, yeah. Oh, but I mean, like, movie, so. oh man, a Coen Brothers horror movie would be bonkers. But uh, I mean, but compare Inside Lewin Davis to There Will Be Blood, right? Where it's a movie about a deplorable monster. Yes. In in their case, they actually thought of. <laughs> There will be blood as a monster movie, mm-hmm. like he's Jaws, you know, but Bruce. But um, to me, that's he's a compelling character, and you can watch him. You don't root for him because you see that he's a this demon. But like, yeah, Inside Lewin Davis oh. is just like, come on, man, such a good balance of like a terrible character you love watching, right. but you're not rooting for. Right, that's so he's hard the to lawyer pull off. You love to hate. <laughs> um. I think that's from the trailer of Primal Fear. When I was a kid, I saw. I, I might. I think I've mentioned this before on this yeah, show. Yeah, because yeah. yeah. I love Primal Fear. But like, I've never seen Primal Fear. But that you've never seen it. I've I've had the ending spoiled though. Oh. But uh, I remember that trailer so vividly for some reason. Yeah. That, that that like '90s announcer guy just going, "The lawyer you love to hate because he's Richard Gere." Yeah, and it's just like love oh, Richard so Gere, love Laura Linney. Here's a here's a question: Are is every single Coen Brothers movie a comedy? Uh, not every single one of them, but most of them, yes. I would say, let's see, Blood Simple is not a comedy. No, I'm uh, they not didn't, laughing. They didn't have simple. their their tongue yeah. in cheek. Like Fargo yeah. is a tragic comedy. Yes, I for sure. So much. <laughs> I was uh, like, why am I laughing at this? this like is so messed up. No Country is not a comedy. There are funny moments there are in funny it, moments. but it's not a comedy. Most of, a lot of the other ones. Miller's Crossing is not a comedy. A Serious Man is depressing as hell. I'm but not the whole thing. But is it a is. Comedy. It is a comedy. I would <laughs> right. say like Raising Arizona. Yes. Barton Fink. Yes. Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. Fargo. Yes. Big Lebowski. Yes. Oh Brother. Yes. Man who wasn't there. No. Man who wasn't there is very dark. Yeah. I've, I've only seen it once. I've it's never seen very, it. it's very depressing. Okay. There in the, in that every frame of painting uh, video again they use as an example of the timing of their editing, which we will discuss in greater length in a minute. But uh, there's a really great exchange in uh, the man who wasn't there, uh, where someone's like just holds up a cigarette to Billy Bob Thornton, and he just goes. And then the guy's like, right. And he just, you know, but like the way it's cut, it's yeah. perfectly timed. It's so good. That's cool. Yeah. So I should watch it. Yeah. It's good. I mean, you should yeah. watch them all. Except for maybe the Lady Killers, because I've never seen it. I've watched like, I, I tried to watch I've the Lady Killers. Most, but yeah. I've seen shots of like uh, Tom Hanks with that ludicrous haircut yeah. going on that tree. And I'm just like, It's just like, goofy. Nah. It's like them doing, it's them doing, um, you know, like, a, a, well, it's a remake of the it's old, remake, of the old yeah. one. But they're just doing that again. Like, they're just trying to make sort of like a zany. Um, farcical thing. thing and I think this patience is I don't know it, people don't have the patience for it in the same way but uh, um, I don't know I think they're they're also writing this line between like they're always juggling these tones but they're juggling often this kind of like realism versus sort of invented like cinematic yeah. world thing Heightened. and and sometimes they go too far and I think it's hard to know when. Like Raising Arizona is nuts. It's like oh, a Looney. It's, t- it's a Looney. Yeah, it, it's literally a Looney Tunes sure. cartoon. Yeah, he's got the Roadrunner. He's, road he's got like he's. It's a. It's an actual Looney Tunes cartoon. He's like there, there's a whole thing where like he is Wiley e. Coyote, <laughs> right? Um, and and it's really unrealistic, but it all works somehow. The characters are grounded in enough of a way that it all works, and you all want to stick with it. I think they were going for a similar thing with the Lady Killers, and they just you know. It's movies. It's movies are hard right, to make, right. and, and I don't think it worked. The 
Raising Arizona is so funny because I love that movie, but it's one of those movies, sort of like Galaxy Quest, I guess, where I love Galaxy Quest, and at the end of Galaxy Quest, it's like so happy that I get depressed, and Raising Arizona always leaves me feeling so, so sad. <laughs> I don't know. Coen Brothers, there's some sadness. Though. Yeah. Yeah. Sadness. Even Big Lebowski sometimes, I'm just like, oh my god, I'm depressed right now. At the, it's like alternate watchings. Like sometimes I end and I'm like, yeah. And other times I'm like, you Donnie. True Grit too. I didn't hear you. True Grit's in there, yeah. yeah. I remember seeing True Grit and being disappointed. True Grit is definitely very. It's competent, but nothing amazing. I just remember it was probably at my bitter phase when I was bitter that it was PG-13. Uh, so I went in with a grudge. You came in with some grit of your was, own. Yeah, I had some grit. Yeah. Isn't that still like their most successful movie technically? Like. I can't see it being more successful than No Country for Old Men. No, I think box it may, office. Box office. No, I know. So, yeah, That's no, what I, I think, think, I made, I think it made thirteen rating. Yeah. yeah, I think it. Let's I look this feel up. Those this I think it's because it is funny when you start thinking about that. Like basically, uh, uh, movie nerds versus like normies. Yeah, uh, and I think Drew, I think True Grip made a lot more money than anything else they'd ever done. Yeah, get that rating. Um, that PG thirteen. Also, it's just a more normal movie. It's like, it's a Western. I need to watch it again. Yeah. I went in so clouded, you know. Um, yeah, I think... I, I love Westerns. Not that that matters for much, but I think that their their continued existence is sort of reliant on them being like a, a competent box office draw at a certain level, right? Mm-hmm. Like, And uh, yeah. we just want them to keep making movies yeah. and uh, keep having enough money to make movies. So every once in a while, they gotta they got to, you know... You're right. Chum the waters. You're right. True Grit made the most money. Bridge of Spies. This is as Joel. I'm looking. Joel Cullen as a writer. Uh, True Grit, Unbroken, Bridge of Spies, Burn After Reading, Intolerable Cruelty, Hail Caesar. No man. No country for old men is seventh. Jeez. In lifetime gross. I remember. So. Oh no no no! It's third and third. Sorry, that uh, list was wrong. No country. What year was that? Is that uh, 2007? 2007. So 2007 was uh, was one a phenomenal year for yeah. movies. Out of, but, out of control. But yes. but I remember that that is the Oscars that got a lot of flack for not featuring movies that normies liked. So it's like it had the worst. That Oscars had like the worst ratings in a lot of years because really? it had, it was like No Country. It was um, there will be, be, be blood, blood. Juno. Juno. It was. Uh, but it was it was sort of ripped for not having movies that many people saw because mm. you actually can like the the box office for uh, there will be blood and no country is like really small compared to like I think Juno beat like both of them combined. Yeah. Well, um, I love that they're they're doing the ten nominees now or like up to ten because when when they nominate things like Arrival and stuff for Best Picture, like hell yeah, like those yeah. deserve those de- movies deserve a mention. Uh, they they get huge box office numbers, so yeah. like it's more inclusive. Like yeah. I love that movies like that can be represented now at, yeah. at award shows. Yeah, 2007 I think it was crazy. I was working at the Landmark Theater in Chicago, and we had had Juno, No Country for Old Men, and There Will Be Blood for like five months, and they were still selling out constantly. Yeah. It was insane. And, well, like, yeah, I, Juno I, crowds were so annoying. Yeah. They were so messy and, like, needy and weird and rude. Yeah, I uh, yeah I remember I I went because they came out relatively close to each other and and I was at the movies a lot that month. I went because I went and saw Juno three times. I went and saw No Country three times and and 
there were those movies that I was like, oh, I got to go back and watch this and see why it worked the way that it did and yeah. see if I can unpack that. And and yeah, so they got, you know, No Country didn't make that much money, but it made uh, a few bucks off me. Yeah. And won some Oscars. Yeah, it did. Best picture, baby. I remember thinking that that year the Oscars went the right way, where No Country for Old Men got best picture, but uh, Daniel Day-Lewis got best actor. Yeah. As he should have. Yeah. Because, yeah, he nailed it. Uh, so Fargo, the assignment film for this month, takes place in Minnesota and North Dakota. The Coens are from up there, uh, as am I, and you're from Canada. The uh, that's true. The setting seems to play a huge role in a lot of Coen Brothers movies. Uh, almost a character unto itself. Uh, I mean, obviously in Fargo, but even in No Country for Old Men, where it's like, I think you you hit the nail on the head, and we have a comment later where it's. Coen Brothers, if they have a theme, uh, I mean, we could just discuss that right now. Like, it does seem to be man against nature or, like, humans against the odds. And I think that location plays a big role in that. Do you guys, like, what are some memorable locations? Like, like the snowstorm and everything definitely adds to the chaos in Fargo. Steve Buscemi just losing his mind when he's holed up in the shack with yeah, yeah. you know his companion and mm-hmm. the, and the wife like trying to get the TV going and Jerry just, trying to scrape the the ice off his you, thing is yes like, ah. yeah and that's all because of the the location and the weather just like suffocating these people I don't know how they work and I don't know how they generate their their scripts and their ideas and their characters but it seems like their characters grow out of the the setting the location yeah. like it just seems like that's how that works and it makes for these really incredibly specific movies a specific setting with a specific character that can only grow out of this place and i think that's one of the reasons why they're so good and so specific like you know the the characters in the big lebowski are like very specific i know that one's like based on a guy they knew but like right. you know like like that is a a specific person growing out of a specific place and like that that motivates their like their actions and their dialogue and their their like posture you know what i mean like and and i think that almost all their movies have that and it's yeah. like that's what makes them so specific so i think that i don't know if they're they're just so good at building a little world and then populating that world with people that make sense within that and that seems to be one of their like most special gifts that they do I agree with that 100%. I mean, even Big Lebowski, yeah, has, like, three intros and a weird narrator who's, like, just, like, the spirit of the West. Like, yeah. what is this guy? And, yeah. like, none of that should work, but it totally does because I think it is so grounded in that sort of their version of reality of that setting. Well, it helps them It helps them shorthand a lot of stuff, I think, because, like, uh, you look at, like, Barton Fink yeah. and... It they take you know New York playwright and then they they and and they show that world sort of briefly and and then they pick up this guy and they pluck him down and and put him in Hollywood right and it's like you get some of the some of the character work and all the, some of the heavy lifting is done by the shorthand of like you understand like this New York guy is not gonna fit into this other system he's like his gears are 
different sizes than than the Hollywood gears are. Yeah. And it's like that's a lot of the tension in the movie and how is he going to fit into this system? And and you see that in, in these other things. It's like either people that are so like they're almost like part of the landscape. Yeah. And that's what's interesting. And they're so good at m- moving through this one landscape like no country where everybody is good at moving through this landscape. Or it's somebody from something else is thrown into mm-hmm. this landscape. Like, you know, I, I don't know. There's all so many examples from all their movies. But it's like it's either like the fish out of water or the sort of fish that's so part of that water. And it's like either version of that they're so good at. Right. And, I mean, Barton Fink is a great example because the location is almost like a living thing. Yeah. The wallpaper falling down, the hotel burning it at the end. It is hell. It is, yeah. And it's like... That is literally a character, I yeah. feel like, in that movie specifically. But yeah, I like what you said about the fish out of water or the fish in water because the two that spring to mind for me in that example is fish out of water, though he should be in his own element, is a serious man because everything in his life is out of his control. Mm-hmm. Even though he's in his own community, he's like grappling with it and almost fighting against it. And then, yeah, No Country for Old Men, where the 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 tension comes from oh, my enemy is as adept at this as or perhaps more adept than I am, uh, which is very interesting. I love yeah. it. Yeah. Or like Hudsucker Proxy where it's like, you know, the the people of this world, the, the board is, you know, they're trying to, to pin this failure on somebody who's an outsider, right? right. And so they're taking like this one dummy and, and promoting him up. And so he can take the fall, right? If I'm remembering I my Hudsucker process. then it like works out for him? Yeah, but it's like, but he's this fish out of water because he's not this stuff shirt. Uh, is it the same premise as, uh, um, now I can't remember what it is, the uh, the Robert Downey Sr. Uh, movie? I'll, we'll come back. We'll recircle to we'll that. We'll uh, uh, Anyway, but yeah, no, it's like they're taking this, this one guy out of like, you know, the that stuffed shirt old white men boardroom right. and they're taking this like a regular guy you know up to up to that world it's like i i don't know it's so often i think it's it's people who are comfortable in their worlds being shaken up but it's like it's so intrinsically connected like who they are and where they are even yeah. burn after reading john malkovich is like he is cia right. and then so is he kicked sees out. it everywhere yeah yeah um but yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's hard to to see a Coen Brothers movie without thinking that like the setting, the world, is without doing it's. They don't do generic places, right? And I think I think that an, another side to that too is maybe a third archetype that they that they do that I've seen repeated is. Uh, I mean, the easiest example for me is George Clooney in Hail Caesar, where it, there's like a naivete to a lot of their characters, especially they're kind of like more comedic characters. Who kind of just roll with everything, you know, and like assume that they're even when they are a fish out of water, they assume they're still in their safe waters. Mm -hmm. Even when they're in over their head, they're kind of just like, hey, this is great. Like, thanks for teaching me about communism, guys. Like they do not comprehend their own danger, Mm -hmm. which I think is a very good comedic device that they've done a few times as well. Yeah. Um, Same thing in uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Like definitely. Uh, them just keep getting thrown yeah. into these. Damn, we're in a tight spot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, we're in a tight spot. No, nope, goddamn uh, Peter Familius. Oh, oh, Brother Where Art Thou is a very interesting movie for me because I just love it to pieces. But I think that that movie kind of outpaces itself. The, the first 
two thirds, I think, Don't are Jones. very strong. I feel like that's Jones' think, like favorite movie of all really? time. Yeah, I think he the ending it. is not as strong as the first two thirds for me personally. Like I've always kind of like dipped out a little bit by then, but I don't know. I think it's pretty perfect. I think that they're also working. You know, that one sort of famously they're uh, working from the yeah. the, Odyssey the Odyssey or the yeah. Iliad, the Odyssey. Odyssey. Uh, believe I say sort so famously they're working from this thing I can't remember. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, you know, yeah, you know thing. the old yeah. thing, old the old thing that thing. we know about but nobody's ever read. Yeah, Homer's it, whatever. Yeah, uh, but you know, so they're working within the structures of of that, right? Um, and I think because they they don't adapt things very often, right? Uh, like yeah. like they did. No country was their first technical straight adaptation. Uh, Lady Killers, kind of. I guess so. I just remember them being so famous that like they hadn't taken a book and right. like adapted it before, and they nailed it. And they nailed that it. That is like one to one. I read yeah. the book after seeing New the country. movie, and I was like, "Oh, this yeah. is identical, like more or less." But identical, identical in like the most successful right. way because like identical the, plus the road was actually like like remember they they adapted the road, same author, and not they adapted someone someone yeah. one adapted the road, and it was very close in a lot of ways like the visuals were very close they didn't get the spirit of it though right the spirit they changed yeah. i mean they changed uh, not a ton it's of one things of those rare but it, times when i actually read the book before right. seeing the movie mm-hmm. right. so Same. rare for me i read the book first too. And, I, yeah. and yeah i remember just being disappointed with the movie. showing the disaster and like his wife stuff mm-hmm. like actually seeing it is different than having it alluded to right and i think that that took a lot out of it yeah mm-hmm. um yeah yeah anyway but i just that was one where it was like oh a lot of these things feel like they're right to me like watching after reading it it was like the visuals of this look right the world looks right but it's not coming alive it's not jumping off the screen in a way that no country did or something yeah uh i was always annoyed when uh stormer killed buscemi in uh fargo Fargo. pisses me off why time it's like dude just like Get over it, man. He just gave you your money. You guys are square. But now we want he can have the rest of the money. It's like but he well, didn't he know yeah. he didn't know about the even million dollars. He basically kills him because like he offended him about the car. Yeah, he's annoyed. It's like God. That's the thing, is like I know, Peter Stormare just is a short fuse. He gets he's annoyed. Psycho. He wanted yeah. to go to Pancake's house. Yeah. God. Good pancakes. They always bum me out. Weird funny look. It's funny looking in a, in a normal kind of way. Yeah. We're, we're talking, I mean, this is slightly off topic, but we're talking about like the spe- specificity of the Coen brothers. It's like that, I I, this, I probably got this off DVD special feature or something like that. But, but um, in Fargo, they wrote every, like everything is done as written. And yeah. so there are little things that sound like little mistakes that the actors fixed on set. And then the Coen brothers would be like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Yeah. We didn't write that. So, like, uh, Peter Stormare's character, uh, like, he's always talking about going to Pancake's house. Yeah. And he apparently, like, on set, changed it to, let's house. go to the Pancake house. And they're like, whoa, 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 as written. Yeah. And it's like, that's important to them. And uh, same with uh, all the, like, little vocal flubs and things that uh, William H. Macy's character was doing right. in that. Like, those the were stutters all... And the stuff. stutters yeah. and stuff. Those are all, like, he would sort of take some license with it and just do his own little thing, and they'd be like, no, let's try one that's written. This this time around, I really noticed the... Because I, I hadn't seen it in, like, a decade. What really stood out to me this time with Fargo was when she meets up with her old friend at the restaurant. Such a small 
yeah. subplot oh, yeah. in mm-hmm. this big movie. Such a small, insignificant thing that adds so much character and so much life that, you know, back in the day when I was younger, I just kind of dismissed it all. Oh, like Mike when he, when he yeah. go When he goes around, like, oh, can I sit next to you? <laughs> like, do you mind? She's, like, she's you like, no, I mind. Like, you can go back over there. It's yeah. just like, whoa. I mean, loved that scene. That that's the kind of thing. That, and that's then he the example. Up, he, he was lying. He's lying and, like, the whole he's time. Yeah. Like problems. she's fine. That's, like, whoa. well, that's yeah. like the whole thing. It's it's sort of small, but it's like the the revelation that comes out of that. I mean, Mar- Marge Gunderson is like one of the ca- the characters of film. Like yeah, one of yeah. the great characters. She's amazing. But it's like she had to be reminded that people lie. Like she's right. a cop and she's a great cop. But she had to be reminded that uh-huh. people lie, that people aren't always good, because she is always good. Yeah. And so she's like, oh, yeah, people can be bad. And I, I just think that that's so wonderful. It's like that's the revelation that brings that's cool. the movie around, okay. that, that, that uh, she had to just be like, oh, this is right, that people can be bad. And, and I also just love that she is just good. Like she's right. somehow one of the best characters in movies, and she has... I mean, I guess that is her arc, but she doesn't have an arc. She's great. She she's, she starts out awesome, yeah, and just like stays. There. I yeah. mean, like that just does her job and is good. Quite a load here, but it's also something that it's also something that you very rarely see in cinema, especially with her and and her husband. Like, mm-hmm. it's that's just a solid relationship that is in in no danger. Of, there, there's yeah. like an old saying where it's you like if you start the movie made married, oh, you end unmarried. You know, like so it's just like. The whole thing, they're just totally. It's like it's like Gomez and Morticia Adams. They're just <laughs> yeah. solid. Yeah, and then yeah, the she. You're right. Too. She's just kind of like there. She's a force. Yeah, of good. She's almost. I just think about it now. She's like the opposite of Anton Chigurh. She's like a an unstoppable force for good. Right. Yeah. And he is an unstoppable force for evil. Right. Yeah. But pit him against a- each other. Alien versus Predator style. <laughs> Get them in a movie together. Yeah. We can have a, a united cinematic universe. Whoever wins, though, we lose. Right. That's true. You know? Mostly That's true. Anton Chigurh, though, we would lose. <laughs> yeah. But Anton, the thing I love about No Country for Old Men, which I assert is basically a perfect movie. I agree. Uh, he can be hurt, which I like. The The car accident toward the end where it's like, oh, all right, he's not some mythical. He's human. He's not the Terminator. Right. <laughs> well, and that, like when you're reading, and I think they nailed it in the film, because when you're reading a McCarthy book, uh, a Cormac McCarthy book, all the characters, they don't feel like human beings. They feel like these mythical archetypes. Yeah. Like, Blood Meridian is the is the big example of that, where, like, the judge is just violence, and, like, the, the kid is humanity. And No Country for Old Men is kind of the same. It's, uh, Llewellyn Moss is, is people, is humans. You can't get out alive. And then Tommy Lee Jones is kind of the old archetype of good, the Marge Gunderson, you know. And then... Anton Chigurh is just this wicked thing. I mean, the, the the beginning line when he says, you have to say, yeah, I'll be a part of this world. Mm-hmm. And then ending the way that it does with his dream. Oh, my God. That movie. Tommy Lee Jones. Out of control. Epic. Out of control movie. Um, Ian. What? I didn't kill my wife. I don't care. <laughs> so good. Uh, <laughs> ad-libbed. That line is ad-libbed. You tell me. I know. You tell me every uh, time. It's so good. Anyway, we'll get to themes in a minute. I love I you. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, he just yeah. says that to everyone. Han Solo is kind of a dick, but uh, <laughs> All right, so I asked I asked a few uh, I asked the patrons what their favorite Coen brother movie Coen brothers movie is and why uh, and least favorite. And a few we had a few uh, Sam Card Samuel Cardwell says a lot to talk about 
Oh Brother is my favorite. It has the most satisfying story structure. The jokes all work. They evoke the time period perfectly. The music is glorious. The minor characters are memorable. Andreas Kother says, The Big Lebowski might be my favorite movie of all time. I could watch that every week for the rest of time and not get bored. <laughs> yep, yep. I got I, sometimes I would put it on while like cleaning or something. Yeah. And then I, I invariably like realize an hour later I'm just watching it's Big Lebowski and I'm not doing anything. It's just like... Um, I have that, but with Cool Runnings. Oh my God, what? <laughs> I, you can't flip past Cool Runnings. You got to sit down and watch it. I... I feel like there's got to be a character who has like a nervous tick. Like their weaknesses, anytime they see, it's like a vampire where like if you drop toothpicks or whatever as matchsticks, they have to count them all. Like that, in that version, any anytime anyone sees if Cool Runnings, he has to stop and watch the entirety of Cool Runnings. Yeah, I have that. Yeah, <laughs> you have that. That's you. Yeah. What is it in uh, in conspiracy theory? The that Mel Gibson movie where he's they they like ingrained a compulsion to purchase Catcher in the Rye yeah. every time like so that's how they track him and I'm like this is ridiculous but okay well no wasn't uh, it there's like oh is that how they track him I don't know I yeah I just they, it's like part of how they track him there somebody's like somebody just bought Catcher in the Rye <laughs> it's got to be Mel Gibson burn his house Wait, really I think so I thought that was just a thing because it's like a lot of assassins in real life have been like right. fans yeah, of yeah, Catcher yeah, in the yeah. Rye and man uh, chapter twenty. Seven, chapter twenty three. That the Jared Leto killing mm, John Lennon yeah. movie. One of the worst movies I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, that's what uh, I heard. I didn't see it. Oh, it's garbage. Um, Stephen Beaumont says not being as pretentious as a bag blowing in the wind. The strongest image or memory of No Country is the sustained shot of the candy wrapper crinkling and the literal tension in the gas station scene. I love when something basic can be made so symbolic or important with correct use of a medium. Also, Anton Chigurh will go down in history alongside Hans Gruber as one of the greatest on-screen villains of all time. It's hard. Still give it to Hans, yeah. though. Still really? Give it to Hans. Yeah, I guess so. Hans is more of a human being. Anton yeah. Chigurh is just yeah. the bubonic plague. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, give it to Hans. Cobra Hans. Is a good I just... Uh, booby. <laughs> I'm your white knight. Uh, and then... We should have a die-hard And then he, he drops... Because he, uh, because John unclasps mm-hmm. the the watch given by the yuppie. Yeah, yeah it's so brilliant. Anyway, uh, but no, the, the 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 candy wrapper. I love that shot. I, it is in the details. You know what I mean? Right. That, that they are so good. Uh, I mean, one of the reasons that that No Country is so perfect is it forces people to watch and to lean forward and to to look at the little details without being pretentious about it. It it is you know that scene where he's outside the the hotel room and you see the the feet shadows right. under the door and then they walk away and, and then, then you light. hear the light <laughs> yeah. like the light being unscrewed and like just the detail in that is so wonderful you're 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 in there it's like they turn it it they're able to take things that in worse movies they have to make these big giant swings right, right. like in worse movies it's it's you know, huge events take the place of these of these little moments where the Coen brothers can be like, yeah, you know that somebody's outside that door, knows that he's he's being seen and is going to go turn off this light and that, that the guy inside knows now what's going on. Right. And there's all this communication happening just in these tiny, tiny little details. And that is, I don't know, that to me that's the mark of a, of a great movie. Instead of having to have, you know... 
every little plot point has to be like mm-hmm. a murder or right, a, right, you know right. a car chase or something. Top, top ten times a character unscrews a light bulb to kill someone. Whoa. Godfather's there. That would take a while to come up with ten. I feel like. Yeah, yeah. We could though if we really uh, figured out. I'm picturing some like <laughs> picturing Godfather unscrewing a light bulb or two, breaking it, breaking and shattering. It. What is that from? The, yeah, Mission they, Impossible. Mission Impossible. He puts Impossible it on the one. ground. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like an early warning system. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there it is. We got three. The Drake Hotel. <laughs> Drake Hotel. They, those damn Gideons. They stamped the Bible, didn't they? Um, <laughs> where's the knock list? Dude, when I was a kid, so good. I loved it. When I was a kid, I would have I would have little floppy disks, the little hard floppy disk, whatever they're called, and I would make fake knock lists of like me and my friends, and then we would like I like made I like stained it with like fake blood, and like we would like run around with the knock list and like try to get the knock list from each other. I think it's so funny that that. All, like that also that that movie spawned such a an action movie franchise because you go back and watch it and it's like it's awesome but it's it's weirdly complicated for that oh, kind of movie. that movie makes no sense on the first viewing and uh that was my so we we're talking about batman and robin every year for my birthday as a kid i would get nine friends so there'd be 10 of us and we'd go to a movie <laughs> on my birthday at 96 it was mission impossible one wasn't it r uh i was 11 though yeah. in canada it was pg and oh. my mom was there and because uh, our rating systems work slightly differently, right? I wasn't allowed to see Titanic because I was 13 and it was rated 14A because it was what? a boob. I know I had they to had see Flubber instead. Boob, it was a tough man. day. But yeah, so 96. There are two are... boobs. You can see both. Okay. Can okay. you? I don't know. Maybe don't one. you? I'm picturing Maybe one two. more than the other. Maybe it's just because he's only sketching no, it, one. It's yeah. I thought she was laying there like full on naked. She's full but... nude. Yeah. But do you see? But both? it's like artistic. All right, is it's it like turning into the Mister Skin podcast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Find uh, <laughs> out next time. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, uh, I just think that it's so funny that that movie and the knock list and all this complicated stuff. I was eleven. We had no idea what oh, was going yeah. on. It was awesome yeah. though. The helicopter and the tunnel. Oh, Gigi, Gigi. That like music cue, just like it's in my mind. It's so good. What's De Palma up to? Come back to the franchise, Making, bro. Mission Impossible yeah. 6, De Palma. Bring it all back. I liked Ghost Let's Protocol. Go. Anyway, For sure. this is not a Mission Impossible episode. <laughs> Let's talk. We, we've been dancing around it. Let's just talk about Roger Deakins and Roderick Janes, I guess, their editor, quote unquote, mm-hmm. which is just them, uh, which is so funny to me. Love it. Oscar winner, Roderick Janes. Yeah. What for? I don't remember. Or did they... I feel like he's been nominated a he's couple times. He's been nominated. Edit- fictional Fargo man. was nominated for editing. Okay. So. Yeah. I lo- it was like when they almost gave two Oscars to uh, um, Kaufman and his brother. Yeah. <laughs> to the Kaufman well, they did. brothers. He was, he was uh, he, Donald Kaufman won an Oscar. Really? Yeah. I thought they like told him right at the, told them at the end. It's like, you know, that guy doesn't exist, right? I don't think so. He was definitely nominated for the That's Oscar so and I think he won. Funny. So. Charlie Kaufman won. Yeah, so Donald, so Donald Kaufman won. Donald Kaufman won. That is so Because it's technically, like, it is per... I don't know how they got it through the WGA, but it's, it's like, on the screen that yeah. Donald Kaufman... He just decided to use it. I guess you can... That's a, that's a version of a pseudonym where, like, you yeah. use your real name right. and then also an additional fake name. additional fake name. Where it's just two of yourself. Yeah. That's great. Um, but, yeah. Uh, I mean, again, that Every Frame of Painting episode talks about this very well, but... Uh, Deacons and the editing, the way that things are shot in these movies, wide-angle lenses inside the the conversation, it brings out the backgrounds so that 
I mean, the, in the video, again, they have a perfect example of the hotel lady from No Country for Old Men, the one who goes, we can't give out no information. Uh, you just immediately understand her entire character because of where... I mean, obviously, it's not a hard character to understand, but her setting, her, you know... And uh, a serious man is really good with this, like the different rabbis that he goes and talks to, like the young one, like there's all mess and like papers everywhere and stuff, and then it's like cuts to him and it's very... S- clean behind him you know just every shot of every one of their movies i would say is like this the information mm-hmm. the Fargo, information the opening with just the snow and the fog right yeah just and it's like well, i think that they're they are famous for uh storyboarding every shot mm. and i think that that's where the collaboration between the cinematographer uh whether it's deacons or sonnenfeld and then them as editors is sort of shown in its best light because they everything is done um with intention right Right. like they don't cover a scene randomly yeah they they choose beforehand how they're gonna do it and then they can you know with their cinematographer choosing how the camera's gonna move and then with them choosing how to actually assemble it it's like that's what to me, that's like that's filmmaking. Like that right, is the important right. part of filmmaking is is like how are you that it's directed. It's like in that in that in like the actual like literal definition of it, it's like they are directing your attention in a very specific way that they've chosen in advance. Yeah. And forethought, planning. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and a vision. Last night, uh in sort of uh, uh preparation for this, of which I spent about a good like five to seven minutes on. <laughs> uh the I was watching on Filmstruck. They have the special features for uh, Blood Simple. Oh, wow. And one of them was a little featurette about uh, about the storyboarding um, where they put up the storyboards over the shots from Blood Simple. Whoa. And then they had um, uh, Francis McDormand talk about it, uh, as well as some of the Coen brothers talk about it. Uh, and Some of them? Some of them. I can't tell which one's <laughs> some which. Some of the nine Coen yeah. brothers. Uh, they, but Francis McDormand was talking about how, like, she, you know, she's married to one of them. Joel, I think. Sure. And, uh, and but how, like, working with them is so different from working with other people and how she considers film an editor's medium. Yeah. Which is sort of funny because she's, you know, married to one of the great directors. Uh, but, and they're, and they're. And ed- one of the great editors. And one of the great editors. But they're, but <laughs> they're, they're the but that their editor, right. that their editing name is, is their pseudonym. Right. But, uh, but yeah, that, that she considers an, an editor's medium. And then they talk about how, like, this is why they, they do it in advance. That there are other directors who are really good at going on and, and, and sort of having something spring forth naturally from the, from the moment. But he, they talk about it really practically. Sort of like how like Roger Deakins is an insanely practical cinematographer. Like you hear him yeah. talk about stuff, and everybody's like always in awe of him because he's the best. But they're like, "How did you do this? And why did you do this?" And he's like, "Well, we put a big light over there <laughs> so that we could see him." You know, like it's, <laughs> it's like he doesn't talk about it in really artsy fartsy ways. Right. He talks about it in really basic practical ways, and. And then they're very practical about it, too. They're like, why do you storyboard? They're like, well, because we know how we're going to cover a scene. And then the the, uh, production designer comes to us and is like, hey, do we need to see all four walls? And they're like, no, we're just going to see that wall and that wall. And then we only build two, (laughs) you know, and we save money. money. And uh, and it's like, yeah, that's that's legit. Like that. Those little considerations are how they, they, you know, they get to do stuff with intention and not waste money and, and not 
blow their budgets and then they get to keep making more movies if yeah. even if one doesn't work the alien covenant special features just came out and i was like reading the bullet points and ridley scott was saying he's like yeah i always shoot extra it wastes money but whatever He's really Scott. He gets to. He's really Scott. He yeah. gets to. Ridley Scott is an He's old man. Lost his mind. Yeah, who is out of. Yeah. Hylian <laughs> uh, Ronan says Roger Deakins is incredible. He is well known for using light and shadow to effectively and subtly guide the viewer's gaze in a shot. A cinematographer's best work is often done without the audience realizing it, and Deakins is one of the best. I recently watched Inside Lewin Davis, and it has a very different visual style from another DP. A pale, filtered look is present throughout much of the mm-hmm. film, and I initially found it a bit distracting. The visual style ultimately served the mood of the film well, but I imagine it would have looked very different with Deacons behind the lens and lighting. Fun facts, uh, Roger Deacons is also the cinematographer of Sicario and the upcoming Blade Runner 2049. Yep. Very excited. Very excited for that. Oh, yeah. I mean, basically any movie that you're watching and you're like, oh my god, this is this is shot so well... In, like, a non-flashy way, usually. Like, not in, like, a way where it's just beauty shots. Uh, I've been... Several movies that I didn't know were shot by Deacons. And then I'd be like, I gotta see who shot this. They're going on that that list. And then it comes up. And then it's Deacons. Like, God damn it. Arrival was shot so well. God, I love that movie. I can't remember who shot it. Who did it? Didn't Deacons do... It was um, Bradford Young, I believe. Beautiful, Whoa. beautiful. Yeah, I like but, the uh, colors in that a lot. But like, I, I was watching Prisoners, and and oh. Prisoners is like is is beautifully ugly. Like, it's not a you know, yeah. it's a very practical sort of like real world sort of thing. Uh, and I remember I was watching it and be like, I gotta see who who shot this and add them to that that list of mm-hmm. like of great DPs. And then Deacon's like, God damn it, I don't get to expand the list. One of my <laughs> favorite looking movies of all time is a random one, super random. Cool Runnings, The Illusionist. Whoa. Did Deacons shoot that? No. <laughs> no. Just I'm just saying. Sure. Yeah. Great. Love it. Love the way yeah. that movie looks. I don't know. <laughs> I'm probably alone on that one. Who knows? But uh-huh. I didn't see that one. I watched. The, I, I chose the. I, so, I chose the Prestige. The Prestige. I chose the Prestige. Is <laughs> yeah. I chose the you prestige. haven't seen it either. Uh-uh. It's I a chose good the movie. Prestige. <laughs> yeah. The Prestige is a better film, of course. But much as I chose Ants over Bugs Life. Oh. I don't know if I agree with that one. It's the correct choice. It is. I don't know. Ants is an adult is film. It has a swearing movie. in it. I recently rewatched Ants. Does that make it better? No, <laughs> but it's a bad... Bug's Life is a bad story. Nothing happens. I don't know. Grasshoppers are evil. Uh, okay, okay. Important question. Deep Impact or Armageddon? Oh. Armageddon. Armageddon. Oh, I've well, seen them both. No, you're both, you're, you're both wrong. But uh, I think uh, Deep Impact is way more fun. Volcano or Dante's Peak? They're both the same movie. To they me. are both. I, like, the, which one? Yeah. Which one has the ones where people boil alive in that Dante's Peak? Naked in that Dante's, Dante's, Dante's Peak. Dante's, Dante's Peak. Peak. Dante's Peak. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dante's Peak. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I love good people getting boiled alive. You know. <laughs> what is? We gotta go more modern. Mirror, mirror, or <laughs> that like other Tarsem. Snow White movie. I like Tarsem, but that guy. What's his career? Uh, I actually just looked him up because I, I was wondering that very question, and he's he directed ten episodes of Emerald City, which is some oh. show on TV. Yeah, that I never knew existed, and then no. I was like, oh, it's gone now. No. Um, what are we talking about? I don't know. Coen Brothers, we've been kind of talking about this the whole time that Editing? the Coen Brothers have like a shared filmic language, but uh, Morgan Mahala had a good comment on this. The Coen Brothers have a unique technique that is a staple of all their films, and that is the way of their doing reverse shots. Yeah, so we've talked about this. 
a normal film has the camera to the side, they put it in the middle, and they do the backgrounds. Uh, yeah, and I like the way uh, Morgan goes on to talk about, we've kind of touched on most of the comments, so I'm s- skimming through it, but um, I like that the way that they shoot and edit really highlights non-verbal communication. Like actor ticks and glances. And Roger Deakins talks oh about God, this when too. When the wife is sitting in the living room and they come up the stairs to kidnap her and she's just like... Yeah. Yeah, she's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> and the, lens, the lenses that they use make motion like that really big. They mm-hmm. talk about that again, I think, in every frame of painting. But like a, a small move of the face looks huge without feeling strange. I got, I got to admit, that's not my favorite episode of every frame of painting. I, I love some of the ones that he's done, but I, I sort of didn't buy... Uh, some of the some of the explanations in there for, sure. for this one um, such as well I, I I haven't watched it in a while so I don't remember all the details but just I think a lot of their talk was about like camera placement when I actually yeah. think that the the important factor is is the editing and not the camera placement yeah, yeah. I think that the important factor is that they are interested in the little ticks that make people more human and make and and on realization is like a huge thing for them, right? So it's like they choose to be to edit on the characters during moments where other editors might be on the dialogue instead right, of on right. or they and then as directors they choose to really highlight nonverbal uh interactions as if they're dialogue. And so I think that that the editing of that is actually more important than the that whether the camera's over the shoulder or right. or up in their business. They that do like wide talks about the editing a lot too. Yeah, yeah, they they do like wide angle lenses, but I think that it's it's more about like just their decisions in how to how yeah. to block a scene yeah. and how to really focus on and not cut out the the sort of what the, you know, air quotes dead air. Right. Uh of those like nonverbal moments, I I agree when one hundred percent. Back when I was in the theater school, theater, uh, huh? they talked theater. about we talked about how uh, moments before and after are often the most important yeah. parts of acting. Where it's like it's not when you're saying a thing; it's when someone has said something to you that you really have to do the work. Yeah, and well, it's the like Coen most definitely do. most jokes or like what function as jokes in in movies and, and especially in Coen Brothers movies. It's not the funny line; it's the reaction shot. Right. That gets the laugh. It's like right. it's reaction shot. Oh, it's the name of this podcast. This is a podcast. I don't even know anymore. Right now, it's more just like a what power tool are they using outside <laughs> guessing game? Mm-hmm. Yeah, sounds that like a sounds, sounds like, like a, a buzz saw. Sounds like a circular yeah, saw. A circular, sounds like Jason Voorhees yeah. is uh, doing saw. some work out there, or uh, Peter Stormare is disposing of bodies. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've. Uh, I'm just trying to move us forward because we're running out of time. Uh, we talked about themes in Coen Brothers movie. Morgan Mahala again had a really good insight uh, that the Coen Brothers films typically contain three main themes, which are struggle with identity, the morality of the situation, and miscommunications. Uh, these feel like the themes that stretch between most of their films and make them relatable to the audience. At the end of the day, the Coen Brothers are masters of making characters that we care about who search for value in seemingly random and amoral universe with the best of misguided intentions. I would agree with that. I think that that's a good insight. William H Macy. Just yeah. Uh, him smudging destruction. Oh, smudging so the VIN sad. numbers it's on so pathetic on oh. on in Fargo. He's that. It's such a. I don't. That's just such a great moment to actually like because you can do that scene where he's just kind of 
on the phone trying to get out of it or whatever. But like the specificity of him like smudging these VIN numbers, it's so pathetic and it's so like, I don't know, it just gets to the heart of like the trouble that he's getting himself into with this actual fraud. Right. Uh, you know, those little moments are so great. One, what I love, what Fargo does so well for several of the characters, but William H. Macy in spe- specifically is like, yeah, he's just a guy who makes terrible, terrible decisions, and he's he starts off in a bad spot. But I love the turn where he thinks he's gonna get the money from his father-in-law, and tries to call off his dogs, but he can't get a yeah, hold of them. Goes to Shep. He's like, yeah, can you call? Yeah, uh, can you call him? Yeah, and then uh, well, I didn't vouch for him, you know. I love that. Oh, but like that is, I didn't vouch for him. You know, and then he doesn't get the money, so he's like, okay, my plan is still going, and like practicing the phone calls. It's just like this guy's a sociopath. Yeah. Minnesota nice. He's not a sociopath though. He's like that's why he's interesting because he's right. He's so like he's a bad guy. Right. But he's yeah. He's just a bastard. I guess. Yeah. He's just he's just a coward. Bad person. He's a coward and he 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 won't admit to his mistakes and he won't own up to it and 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 he just keeps digging himself deeper and deeper and deeper. The like parking lot deal. He's oh yeah. Like what? What are you thinking, dude? You're gonna? They're gonna give you seven hundred fiftieth for it all? Like, no, you're yeah. crazy. Yeah, you're deluded. Yeah, that's the thing. He's like, like Lewin Davis. He's not very good at what he does. Mm-hmm. He's in. He's out of his element. He's in over his head, and he just can't face it. He can't yeah. realize it. Folly. folly, human folly. Human folly. Uh, Gets everyone killed. The Coen brothers are very like. They're basically a genre unto themselves. Can they surprise us anymore? Can they like? Are they two horror Coen movie. brothers? What horror movie? If they do a horror horror movie, that'd be bonkers. Well, True Grit, like again, I, I haven't seen it in so long, and I was bummed the first time around. But I feel like it, you know, it's a western. I feel like it is. It's a very solid, straight up, just good a straight western. up, yeah. just a straight up movie. Like they they can do that. Yeah, so. it's not very Coen Brothersy. Mm-hmm. I feel like they surprise us every time around. Like it's they're just they make movies. And it was one of my favorite things about them that are the movie is taken on its own terms. Right. Like it's not right. it, it's become part of a you know the like like you said a genre unto itself. But it's like that's a very loose right genre. Right. Like none of these are very few of them are actually in the same genre. They're all over the place, and we try and collect them by being like, it's kind of noiry, but yeah. it's not, like, that's not actually, like, they're always wildly different. They're different types of movies. They're different genres under themselves. They all share a kind of, like, a, a, a sort of an outlook Yeah. Uh, of this kind of, like, the Coen brothers, they seem to love people. They don't trust them at all. Right. But they love people and, like, all their little foibles and mistakes and, like, their ability for goodness and badness and everything else. And so then they're like, well, what if we put them into, like, a spy movie? Or what right, if yeah, we, yeah. You know, and, and it, I don't know what they're doing next, but it's like, I'll be there. And, oh, yeah. Day and, one. And so, I, yeah, zero. I think that I'm Day always zero. surprised. And it's like, that's... I love that each movie's done on its own terms and it's not trying to fit into their some, like, some other overarching thing. Like... Like, you know, Tarantino is very like, I'm making 10 movies and they all have the same font and right. they will all be part of my oeuvre. And right, it's right. like, cool, that's his thing. But but like, I love it when filmmakers can do what they want to do, like where each movie is its own thing. And it's like, they're not like the Coen brothers name isn't usually splashed across the right. top of the poster. It's right. like, no, this movie looks cool. Right. You know, and that's the same thing that some of my other favorite 
directors do. It's like Ang Lee or like Soderbergh where they're like, let's try this movie right. and see if that right. works and see if that's going to be interesting. And sometimes it doesn't, but like when yeah. it does, like they're master craftsmen. Yeah. I think, yeah. Tarantino, they're also willing to take risks where, yeah. where like this might not work. Let's see if this works. Let's see if we make this work. Right. And like that kind of risk. The Weinstein's will bail us out if it, if it doesn't. Right. Tarantino just doesn't want to make a bad one. Yeah. Well. Bad. That Ian. shit All right. is sad. Right. Right. The right. very, very specific word, bad. You may not like Hateful Eight or Django or whatever, but can you call them bad movies? Like bad. I think Django's is worst. Worst, but is it? Bad. I didn't like it. I'm. I feel like I'm in the middle here, where like I also don't. I didn't. Django and Hateful, I think, are his least successful movies. But he's still a crazy talented person. So I right, think that right. that uh, yeah, they're better than they're better than bad movies. They're, yes. they're not bad. Yes. Right. Okay. They're bad for right. him. Yeah. Cool. That's what I'm judging him I on agree. his own terms. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah like I'm not comparing him to to. Tommy was so okay. Okay, <laughs> like, we're doing the, the we yeah. before we started recording. We we're talking about Roger Ebert, and yes. I may have talked about this on the like the first time I was here. But his philosophy has stuck with me from the first time I saw it, which is that a movie. Uh, what is I, what is the quote even now? It's 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 that you have to take a movie on its own terms, right? And it's like if a movie is successful at what it, it is intending to do, then that is success. Right? right, like you can't right. take there's there is no objective measure of movies, and yeah. so you got to take like is this one doing what it what it is trying to do? What is well? my perception of what it was attempting, and did it succeed in that? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and so that I love being able to do that for all the, for Coen Brothers movies because they're right. like they're always doing something new and that their own thing that often isn't like what what anything else has been done like not in the details i agree 100 percent uh a final thought i just had a so every month i do for seven dollar not patrons we have the discussion topic which is where i pull a lot of these comments from or all these comments from uh and this this month i just wrote francis mcdormand is great and stephen beaumont says correct Francis McDormand is great. Yeah, no, that's right. Yep. Mm-hmm. So yep. that we ch- yep. that checks out. Yep. Uh, so it's time. We're out of time. Uh, probably overtime here. Uh, we do a thing every month called the quote challenge. Uh, this month we should try. Can we think of Coen Brothers quotes that might stump the other people? No way, I could stump you guys. We probably know most of them. I'm gonna. I'm thinking right now. You I know. Yeah. I, I mean, I've I've got like a million. I I will show you the life of the mind is too easy. <laughs> What's the plane one you said earlier? The goddamn plane, plane. has crashed into the mountain. <laughs> is that from Big Lebowski? Big Lebowski. Right? Uh, the 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 it's Big so Lebowski good. says that. There's a beverage here, man. Yeah. <laughs> like, oh man, the entire movie is quotes. Every single moment of that. Scroll back down to that. I want to <laughs> see that that movie pay the movie list again. Oh, okay. Um. Yeah, like what's a Miller's Crossing line? Then I don't remember that movie I don't well remember enough. It, yeah, I watched it with my dad, and it's like one of my favorites. But I forget it. If I could remember any line from the Lady Killers, I'd have you guys. Beat. Oh yeah, you did. What a geographical oddity! Two weeks from everywhere. <laughs> Do you remember that one? Uh, yeah, that is. Yeah, <laughs> well, you're doing your 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 Clooney. Yeah, uh, yeah. Oh, this brother, a real voice. geographical oddity. <laughs> Two weeks from everywhere. Uh, 
There's a really funny. There's the one part of Intolerable Cruelty that I like. Uh, there's a scene where there's a whole exchange, and I've already ruined what movie it's from. It's from Intolerable Cruelty. Uh, but there's an exchange where he Clooney's a lawyer and somebody else is a lawyer, and uh, I, I mean I'm paraphrasing like crazy because I don't remember it. But and it's it's a good exchange where. Uh, the kid says, like, well, in Kirshner or Kushner or whatever, like, he's quoting some, like, lawyer jargon. And then George Clooney's like, don't quote Kushner to me. I was blah, 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 blah. And he goes on and on and on and on. And then the kid's like, uh, the young lawyer's like, oh, well, okay, well, how, how about this? And he's like, what, are you being ridiculous? Have you forgotten your Kushner? <laughs> it's just, I thought that was a pretty funny bit. Uh, one of my favorite lines from the Coen Brothers movies, uh, uh, <laughs> Here's what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps. Whoa. Do you not know that one? I don't remember it. Hmm. My God. I've you done it. Us. I've done, done it. it. Uh, Hang on. It's. Do you see what happens when you find a stranger in the Alps? Wow. You got me. What's it from? Mm-hmm. Which one? Uh, it is the TV no swearing redub of, uh, oh uh, of the Big Lebowski. Oh. <laughs> Oh, you cheater! <laughs> wow. I was gonna say, do you see what happens as Big Lebowski? Yeah, yeah. No, that's uh, they've got a bunch of. I think that they let the Coens write their own TV redubs. Oh yeah, and so there's a bunch of amazing ones that just make no goddamn that's sense so at funny. all. Uh, that's really. I know. Funny. I really respect uh, uh, Stephen. What is it called? God Almighty. Uh, oh, oh, the seven X, the seven X's. Seven ex-boyfriends versus the world. Scott, Scott Pilgrim, Pilgrim versus the world. Woo, we got there. Wow. Uh, they they actually like did reshoot scenes where they said out loud themselves the, the, the censored version. It's pretty funny. Anyway, funny. not worth it. Uh, <laughs> Hubert and I have our favorite movies lists on Patreon. If you're a $7 and up patron, check them out. Uh, I can't remember how many are on each list but this is quite a few sizable lists quite a few um thank you alan for being thank you for having me back guest. i like was coming this... over and and talking about movies yeah was this the september episode this was the september episode because september so... 1st was a friday so we got hosed so what are we doing for october Ian? well here's the deal since each movie has to... I actually wanted to talk to you guys about this. Yes. Since each movie has to link back to the previous episode and the next episode. Okay. Obviously, next month is Halloween. Yes. We're going to do Halloween stuff. Yes. But we have to figure out which Coen Brothers movie, for an assignment, fits horror. Would, I fits, thought Fargo was the assignment. That was for, for coming last, into this. Okay. But now we're in a we've never done a director centric episode. Mm-hmm. So coming out of this it has to fit both the theme of this week which is Coen Brothers or this mm. month and the theme of next month. So I was thinking maybe No Country for Old Men and we could focus on like distrust or suspicion. Yeah, monsters. Monsters. He is a monster. Monster, monster movies. movies. You guys should do Anton Chigurh. He is, is a, a monster. monster. Yeah. Sounds so does that way. work? Does that make sense? That works. Watch who, No Country for Old Men. Who would win in a fight? Sugar or Jason? Well, Jason can't be killed. That's right. Like, so. he That's wins. right. He wins. <laughs> he always wins. Sugar versus Gunderson. <laughs> right. That's the ultimate. <laughs> the movie yeah. meetup. I know. I do want to see yeah. that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so we'll do No Country for Old Men. Next month will be our Halloween episode. We'll talk about monsters. We'll talk about suspicion. We'll talk about dread. We'll talk, talk about, about fear. Judge it. Dread? We'll talk about it. 
Dude, the remake dread, so good. So good. Oh, so good. So good. Mega City One, dude, it's coming. Are they making it? The show. Oh. They're doing a show. Hasn't it been like rumored for like no, 100 it's years? No, it's, it's coming. They said it's going to take a couple years, all right, but it all right. is moving forward. All right. Carl Urban has expressed interest no way. Whoa. publicly. I hope did, he did never he do shows it? Did he do face. it by frowning and grunting? Yeah. <laughs> I love that he never takes his helmet off in the entire movie. Oh, you okay. never see his face. For sure. So good. Anyways, thank you everybody for watching or listening to Reaction Shots this month. Uh, check us out on Patreon. If you want to get involved in the discussion, become a $7 or up patron, and then your comments will go into the episode. Uh, generally, I try to get something from everybody who submits something, uh, but some months we don't hit everybody. But, yeah, it's a good discussion. We have a lot of fun. Uh, thank you, Huber. Huber. Thank you, Alan. Thank you. Thank you, Miller. If we're Alan doing last Miller, days. the yeah. 17. Alan, Alan Miller, Miller, Roman 17. numeral 17. Yeah. Uh, thank you a lot. See you next month. Bye. Go watch Reign of Fire. That's a movie that I forgot about for a long time and just remembered. <laughs> <laughs>